0: And then we're begin the next story. Chapter 19. Now it shifts to Lot. And we're given a whole new picture here. We've gone from this incredible like tension. What in the world is going on here? God is allowing Abraham to make decisions. Yeah, God has trumped them and da da da. We don't know. I mean, I don't know how to explain what's going on theologically there. And then we're going to go into the moral pits of humanity, from the divine counsel to the moral pits. And so the angels walk into the city, and the first thing they walk in is they come to the city gates, and they see Lot, and Lot is sitting in the city gates, which is important because we've gone from Lot saw the countryside and moved near the city, then he's gone into the city to be captured by Mesopotamia in the north, and now he's actually in the city gates. So Lot has moved closer and closer into the heart of the city, and he's compromised, Now, the city gates doesn't say a lot to us today, but the city gates is actually more compromised than just being in the city. Because the city gates were a tunnel that went through the wall and entered in the city. And the city gate had these like little rooms off to the left and the right as you're going through the tunnel, like a hallway with bedrooms, except much smaller, like little cubbyholes and markets. And that's where the judges sat. And that would be more like your... um, Um, civil court cases and that kind of stuff uh, tribunals and stuff so you would go and just have many little cases dealt with divorces and thefts and and trading money and that kind of stuff and the judges sit there which means Lot is a judge in the city now which means moved up the ranks and we all know that if you're going to be a judge in the most corrupt city in all of human history in a metaphorical theological sense you've made huge compromises and so he's sitting in the city, and he sees the angels and knows that when new people would come to a city, the first thing they would do is they would walk into the courtyard, and they would just kind of sit down in the courtyard, because there was no such thing as inns or hotels and cities. You had to be a really big city in order to have that, and there's not many of those at all. And so you'd walk in, and because hospitality is everything in the ancient world, somebody would come to you and invite you into their home to stay the night, So, I mean, this is what's happening, Jesus and Mary and Joseph. There's no inn; It's like, it's somebody's house. And so, I know I just opened a big question mark for you, but (laughs) I'm moving on. So, so they would sit in there and hospitality would be everything and they would invite you in and you would stay the night with them. No one does this for the angels which is a huge contrast to the hospitality we've just seen of Abraham. Hospitality is considered one of the worst sins you can commit in that kind of a culture. And not only that, that's a sin of not loving your neighbor, which is one of the two greatest commandments of God. Which the point is that not only is God communicating that this city has become so evil that God's not focusing on drinking and alcohol and drugs and murder. He's focusing on the absolute lack of hospitality. For God, that's a worse sin than all those other sins because that means there's no love at all. Even people who commit big sins like drugs and alcohol, they can still have incredible love for people. But to not have love at all for a stranger, which is the most important virtue in the ancient world, that's a cold, evil heart. And that's what God first introduces you to, not the homosexuality, but the lack of hospitality. And it becomes even more of a focus because he intentionally just got done describing Abraham's hospitality. And this is his way of focusing you in on that by the fact that you just got done with the angels visiting Abraham. And Abraham pulls out this feast of 24 quarts of flour and dates and figs and goat's milk and cheese and and a cow. And not one person in the city will invite these angels just to spend the night. But one person does, Lot, which shows you that there's still some righteousness in him. Not righteousness as in he is worthy of salvation through his own works, but in there is something loving still in his heart that he cares for other people. And Lot not just invites them in, he runs to them and says, don't go in the city, don't go in the city, stay with me. Now there's two types of cities. There's actually living in the city, which is more for the upper elite, and then there's living outside the city, which means you're, you're in the suburb, which means you're still considered the city, but you're not so powerful that you're in the city. But if you are attacked, all those people are considered living in Sonny that they're invited into the city when the gates drop to protect you from the enemy. So there, it's like, I'm not living downtown, but I still live in Columbus, And that's how Simon Memorial works. He's living outside the city, but he still lives in the city, even though he's not downtown. So he says, don't go in there. Don't go in there. Come and stay with me. Now, the exact same words, from this point, it's very familiar. The, the author actually uses the same words that he did of Abraham. He saw them. He went to them. He invited them in. He brought them to the house. He baked them and all that kind of stuff. We were seeing him doing exactly the same thing as Abraham, which means he has the same love that Abraham has for a stranger. And that's intentional. Except he goes even further. He invites them to stay the night. And so this shows the righteousness of Lot. Now, in the middle of the night, everybody It says, every male, young and old, from the entire city came to the gate or the door and knocked on it and said, bring those men out. We want to have sex with them. Now, this is where we think it's about homosexuality, but it's not. Because if it was just about homosexuality, they should be with their homosexual partners. Why are they so intent on being with these new people, strangers, And not only that, when Lot says, no, 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 don't do this thing, they say, who do you think you are? This foreigner that's come in and he now thinks he can tell us what to do? We will deal with you after this. Now, if it was about homosexuality, they would say, I love you and I want to be with you after these guys. Or, I don't care about you, I don't want to be with you. But instead they say, you're stepping out of bounds. We're going to have a homosexual relationship with you afterwards. You have to realize that in the ancient world, they don't have the same concept of homosexuality that we do. For us, it's an identity issue. Somebody literally believes that this is who they truly are, and they're trying to live out themselves to their best ability. Now, I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying for them it's an identity, and it's a result of arrested development. There's tons of studies that show this. But they're confused. They think this is who they are. They're trying to be true to themselves. It's not about hurting people, it's about them trying to get love because they're broken and they're lonely and they're wounded and they're confused and they're trying to get love and they're doing it in the wrong way, but the only way that they can think of. But in the ancient world, that kind of homosexuality doesn't really exist. It kind of does because it's always been there, but not like it does today and especially not in a political sense. In the ancient world, it was not uncommon for men of power to rape other men, to put them in their place to show that I am powerful. And Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Mark Antony, Julius Caesar, they all did this. They would rape another man to put them in their place, because if a woman is easy to rape, she's weak, but if you can rape another man, then you really are a man. And we're, we, the closest thing we have to this is like prison. And we know this. There are certain levels of prison and certain types of men that when you go there, the first thing they'll do is they'll rape you. And they're not raping you because they're gay. They're not raping you because they love you. And if you accuse them of being gay, they'll probably smash your teeth in. They're raping you because they're putting you in your place. And it's the most humiliating thing that you can do to anybody. And then especially a man who's used to having power because it's probably why he's in jail. And they're going to put you in a place and let you know who the alpha male is. We kind of see this too in locker rooms when a head alpha male boy in a locker room begins to pick on one kid and they may not do anything sexual but they'll humiliate them and mock them and maybe even make fun of them sexually. it's the same idea. And this is what they're doing. These two men step in and they look like they have authority. They walk with authority. And Song is challenged by that and they're going to put him in a place. Then Lot begins to act in an authoritative way and they're saying, you've forgotten where your place is. You're next. You need to be reminded of who's in charge. This is what this is about. And you need to understand this is the homosexuality of the ancient world. Now, I, I'm not, I, the homosexuality that we have today is definitely a sin. But when God says that homosexuality must be punished and it's condemned and it's going to be executed with the death penalty, he's not saying that about the kind of homosexuals today. He's saying that about a person that is so evil and dead in their heart that they're willing to take sex which is about a man and a woman coming together as one flesh and use it to dominate and humiliate and pound somebody into the ground. That kind of person is an abomination. That kind of a person should be condemned to death. But the homosexuality today is a sin but it's not the hate the gays kind of a sin and stone them kind of a sin. It's a Their sin is a result of broken identity, broken love, and they need to be loved. To hate them all the more is actually to make the case worse. So every type of homosexuality is a sin. That's clear throughout the Bible. Male and female, one flesh. God created in this way. But the harshness of God is not the same for this kind of homosexuality today as it was back then. Does that kind of make sense? And so this, and all throughout the Bible, Jude, Peter, they don't condemn, the prophets, Ezekiel, they don't condemn Sangamora for their homosexuality first and foremost. They condemn Sangamora for their lack of hospitality because that's what this is really about. It's about them physically abusing people with a symbol that was meant to unite two people in the most incredible bond of love. And that's their sin. That's their sin. And that's why God's wiping them out. Because the heart is evil. And the heart is willing to inflict pain on people to gain more power over people. Not because they have a broken identity. God doesn't wipe you out for broken identities. He redeems you. He wipes you out when you break other people's identities intentionally to gain more power. That's the sin. And so they demonstrate that. And Lot offers his daughters up. Now, even in the ancient world, to the original readers, that would be shocking. The Jew of the post-Exodus would even be like, (gasps) But you have to understand something. Lot has painted himself in a corner. He's not left with good choice and bad choice. He's left with bad choice, bad choice, bad choice, and I've got to do my best in two seconds to figure out which is the better of the bads, right? And so, I mean, this is what I felt like during the elections, and I had more time to think about it. So he's got split seconds, and he's got a mob that's going to break down the door and do horrible things. And so, yes, it's shocking. Yes, it's horrifying. But remember, the, the host... When you invite a guest in your house in the ancient culture, you are also committing to protect them at all costs. And so yes, it's a horrible thing what he's doing by offering his daughters up, But at the same time, he's showing an incredible amount of love for these strangers by saying, "When I invited you in my house, I really meant that I am inviting you into my house, your family." The difficulty is that because Lot has made so many compromises to this point, he's left with these two terrible choices, his daughters or his guest. But by off protecting the guests, he's not doing anything wrong. By protecting his family, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just got to make decisions in split seconds. So you need to see him as a compromised man, but you also need to see him as a man who is willing to do incredible things to protect people because he's a man of hospitality. And that's what makes it so complicated. And that's the way God, I mean, David, David raids a woman, kills her husband, cuts the head off of Goliath, carries it around his trophy for 40 years. He extorts a man for money and says, I will kill you in your entire village if you don't pay me money. And then God says, you're a man of God's own heart. Because we're not evil and we're not righteous. We're the image of God, and we're sinful beings. And God has every right to destroy us because we're sinful. But God also loves us and looks at our heart, and he steps into that grayness and that mixed nature of ours, and he begins to sort and redeem and love and make covenants and pursue and draw us out. And it's so easy to just condemn Lot or justify him, rather than see him for the complexity that he really is, the desperateness of it, the love and the hospitality, but at the same time the horrible compromises of how could you do that? Because he's all of it, because we're all of it. And God still sees him righteous enough to save him. Not righteous enough for him to earn his own salvation, but righteousness enough for God to say you're worthy of saving so that I can bringing you salvation. And it was that moment when Lot, actually what Lot even does is he goes out and closes the door behind him and steps in front of it, almost as if he's sacrificing himself to them. And they've already said they're going to rape him to put him in his place, which means he's offering himself to be raped only. That's huge. And it is at that point that the angels open the door and grab him back in. Because at that point, the angels said, you're righteous. But notice, technically God's not supposed to destroy the city unless there's 10 righteous people. But God never said something about extracting all the righteous people first so that there are not even one person. Then he can destroy the city. Because God is just and God is merciful. And so he steps in and they pull him out and it strikes them all with blindness. Now here's what you cannot miss. This is how evil the men really are. They spent the entire night groping for the door handle. Now, one, we know that blind people can find a door handle. And I don't mean that in a mocking way. We know that blind people can find door handles, which means this blindness is way more than just a physical blindness. But two, we also know that if you probably couldn't find a door handle after minutes I'll give you hours, maybe an hour. You probably would give up and go home. But the fact that they stay there all night shows you how determined they are to inflict pain and vengeance, even though they have been so physically handicapped and humiliated. This is not homosexuality. This is an evil heart that will dominate and abuse other people to gain more power. That's how evil they are. They stay there all night to try to inflict their dominance. And at this point, it's probably now about vengeance. That's the Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what God wipes off the face of the earth. And we need to understand this so that we don't become the unloving Christians. And I know nobody in here is doing that, but sometimes we unintentionally have the God hates gay sign. But we need to understand what God is really, truly condemning this harshly so that we really can truly know what God truly hates and not what we think he hates because we don't take the time to see the character of God. This is why just reading a Bible verse is not enough. You have to see the character of God that is developed throughout the entire Bible that is behind that one verse And this is why a lot of times I tell people there is no verse in the Bible for that. There's just me seeing the character of God over a long period of time in the Bible that tells me that this is who he is. And it's the character of God that interprets the verse, not me who interprets the verse because I took it out of context. That's important. This is why reading the whole counsel of God is so important. And I know it takes time, but he's worth it. He's worth it, and so they step in the rescue and they turn them and say, "Go to your brother, your son in laws, your future son in laws, and get them too." Now that's interesting. We're told that every male, everybody is part of this. They're all wicked and corrupt, and yet the angels are willing to save these corrupt sodomites because they're pledged to Sod- Lot's daughters. Which means even before they've been married, somehow the patriarchal headship of Lot's righteousness is also blankening the son-in-laws. And so Lot goes to son-in-law's house and he tells them and they laugh at him and mock at him. Which reminds you of Sarah's laughing. But this is not a laugh of disbelief. This is a laugh of mocking. And it's at that point that Lot and them take the daughters and they leave the city. But Lot still... Doesn't quite get it. He says, God commands him, go to the mountains. Go back to the countryside. Get away from the city. God's going to destroy the city. And Lot says, I don't, I don't want to go to the mountains. I don't believe I can make it to the mountains on time. It's not safe there. Somebody will attack me. Let me go to the smaller cities Cities are. Seriously, have you not learned your lesson, Lot? The reason you're in this trouble is because you chose the city over the countryside. And now that God is saving you from the city, you want to just jump back into another city again? And if it's a small city close to Son Gomorrah, we know that the suburbs of Son Gomorrah will also destroy it. He's not concerned about the righteousness of these cities. All he's concerned about is, I fear the mountains. I'm unprotected there. People attack me there. Maybe I won't make it there in time. Which basically he's saying... I don't, God promised me that he'll save me. He just saved me miraculously. And now he's going to take me in the mountains and promise me protection there. But I don't believe God can do it. I want to go somewhere closer. And I want to go back to the city. Which means even though Lot still has some righteous love stuff still in him, he still is not trusting God. And I think we know that there's a lot of people that are not believers. And we can say they're incredibly loving people. They're incredibly generous. In fact, some of them put Christians to shame. But there's no trust of God at all in that heart. And that's the ultimate sin. The first and foremost is idolatry, the second is a lack of love for people. And Abram's lot is showing that love, but he's not getting the obedience to God. And that's where you see his compromise. Because right now you're probably thinking, well, Lot's not really that bad, he looks just like Abraham. Except Abraham trusted God and was hospitable. But Lot's only hospitable, but he's not trusting God. And he's never demonstrated any trust. We can give Abraham the benefit of the doubt when he disobeys because we've seen other times. But Lot's never demonstrated that. But God says okay. And this is what makes God so complicated and cool. He could have said, whatever, I'm doing all this for you. And you're not going there? Go back to the city. But God says, okay, I'll send you this city and I'll protect you there too. Because God meets us where we are a lot of times. There's some places where he says, no, that is wrong. And there's other places where he says, I'll meet you there because your lack of faith or your hearts are hard. That's not my ideal. But I have a bigger picture for you than just smashing you right now. And so I'll compromise on that one, for lack of a better word. So he lets him go to the city. But he gives him one command don't look back, or you will die. And Lot's wife looked back. And you're like, come on, God, that's kind of realistic. I mean, wouldn't you look back, unless you're cool men don't look at explosions? You ever notice that movie? They never look back at the explosion, why it's blowing up, because they're cool. And she looked back, so she's not cool, and God's like, whatever. Why does she look back? Because her heart's there. Nobody runs out of their burning house and looks at it and says, cool. They look at their house because their heart is there. And they're losing everything that they've invested emotionally into. And by running on, it's that house means nothing to me. That house means more. But Lot's wife looks back and longs, and it reveals that she's not righteous. And though the patriarchal righteousness of Lot can cover his entire family, not in the blatant disobedience of a direct command from God, though. See, we don't know if Abraham's or Noah's entire family is righteous. But they obeyed Noah, who obeyed God, and they were covered. But it's another thing to be covered by your father your father or husband's righteousness, but then directly disobey God right then and there. And that doesn't warrant it. So she turns, and she dies. And salt is a symbol of judgment, because when salt is covered, the land, it won't produce life. So Lot moves to the city, and he stays there. But what's interesting is, he becomes afraid of the city. Maybe as a reality sets in, he begins to get comfortable, and he's like, oh my goodness, wait a minute. What just happened to this city? I don't want to be in this city. And what does he do? He finally goes out to the mountains. But he shows that he's still not trusting in God because... God just said, okay, go to the city, and I'll command you to go to the city, and I'll protect you there. And now he believes that he's not safe in the city, so he goes out in the mountains. And one could say, yeah, but he did obey God in the initial command, but no, he didn't because he's going to the mountains because he doesn't believe he's safe in that city, even though God said you're now safe in that city. So it's still a disobedience to God. It's one thing for me to give you a command and you don't obey me, and then later you do it. It's another thing when they give you a command and you don't do it and they say, okay, you can go over here and you're safe there. And then you go off and do it because you don't trust that you're safe there. That's disobedience. So Lot keeps showing himself as disobedient. And then his daughters have brilliant ideas. They become incredibly afraid that they're not going to have children. Their fathers are making no effort to provide husbands for them. They were engaged and they're in engagements are dead in the fire now. And so they're now of age, and if they get too old, they're going to think, what's wrong with her? She's too old to be married. And that was an uncommon thing in that culture. And so in dads living out in the countryside, there's no men to be found, and he's not making an effort. And you're like, well, they could go sneak off and get married. No, not in that culture. There's no man that's going to marry his son to a daughter that that daughter's father or brother is not there to help the negotiations. So what it means, Lot's making no effort to negotiate the marriage of their daughter, his daughters, because he's scared to go to the city to meet anybody, to negotiate anything. And they're panicking, and they're afraid that they're going to be left without any children. And so they decide, the older daughter says, hey, let's get dad drunk, and I'll sleep with him while he's drunk. And then she becomes impregnated. And they're like, hey, that worked really well. Now let's get him drunk again. And you little sister, you can sleep with him. And she becomes impregnated. Now, notice how Lot's doing the exact same thing as Noah. Noah escape the judgment. The, the two greatest judgments in the entire Bible, talked throughout the entire Bible, is the flood and Song Gomorrah. And now we've experienced Song Gomorrah. Lot's been saved from it. And now he's getting drunk, and he's being violated in some way. This time, the violation is physical, not just looking. And he's too oblivious to even know what's going on. We're not aware of whether he knows what's going on, but chances are he doesn't, which is even worse. He's so lost control. He's so afraid. He's so in himself, so crippled by this fear and lack of trust of God. He has no idea what's being done to him. But here's the other thing too, it's so important. God is going to save you and redeem you from a lot of things in this world. As a believer with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be saved and redeemed from the condemnation of this world. But your choices may not condemn you to eternal damnation because you are sealed in the Holy Spirit. But your choices can produce A lot of consequences, despite your salvation. Lot might have expressed enough righteousness to be saved. And God might have saved him from condemnation and judgment. But he has not been saved from the influence of all those years of being in the city. And he has not protected his family and daughters from being affected by that city. It's not enough just to escape condemnation. You also have to make Christ your Lord as well as your Savior so that you also escape the consequences, the pain, the dysfunction, the rendering that sin. David is an example of this. Yes, he was saved and forgiven, but his family was destroyed because of his passivity as a father and his addiction to the women and his pride and arrogance. Even though he loved and trusted God and was saved, his family was destroyed relationally in the process. Same thing with Lot. It's not just enough to be saved by God. You also have to obey him so that you also can save and redeem the family and the people around you. And so now Lot's daughters are acting like Sodom and Gomorrah because they've been influenced by that city. Now, the other reason this story is in this Bible is because they give birth to Moab and Abnon. And Moab and Amnon become great nations that are going to constantly attack Israel over and over again. Now, what's interesting is that we have Ishmaelites who are descendants of Abraham, and we have Moab and Ammon, who are descendants of Lot, who is a part of Abraham. And so this shows that already Abraham is becoming a father of multiple nations, even though it's not happening in a godly way. But the other thing it shows you is that all the problems that the Ammonites and the Ishmaelites and the Moabites are going to cause Israel for the next several hundred years as a result of a lack of faith. This isn't just a consequence that's going to happen to Abraham and Lot because they made bad choices their consequences are going to ripple into their descendants for the next several thousand years. Because our sins don't just affect our family. Our sins affect our grandchildren and children and our future Americans that come after us. But the other thing is, that lets you know too is that God is going to never allow them to attack or destroy those nations because God considers them a part of the Abrahamic covenant even though they're not godly and even though they were given birth to in an ungodly way. Because just like with Ishmael, God made a promise to Abraham. Those who belong to you, I will make a covenant with. And when they go into Canaan, God says, kill them, kill them, kill them, and kill them. But do not touch the Ammonites, do not touch the Moabites, and then also the Edomites who are going to be a descendant of Esau. Because they're your brothers and they're part of the covenant. Not the covenant, seed Christ's covenant, not the chosen nation covenant, but the I will protect you and bless you covenant. Because God is always faithful, no matter what.